Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is uh, Chris Harrell. Um, I am a church planner over in Milford. Um, just to say, I, I thank you all for your continued uh, support, your prayers. Uh, you guys here at Nashua Baptist have been a fundamental part of uh, us being able to start the church there in Milford, and, and things are going well so far. So thank you for your continued prayers and support and, and love that you're sending our way. Um, we appreciate that very much. Um, today we are in, in Psalm 61, and as, uh, as uh, Stephen uh, came to me and asked me to preach, and, and he said that we were going to be in, in Psalm 61, my first thought was, oh boy, here we go, Psalms, great. <laughs> Could you ha have picked a, a harder place uh, for me to go or uh and I, I think the reason that, that I, th I felt that way or I thought that way was for a lot of my life, I, I looked at Psalms or a lot of my Christian walk, I looked at Psalms as, as just this, this place to go and it was good stuff to read and I'd grab some moral platitudes and then I'd, I'd be done. And, and where was the, was there a deeper meaning? Was there um, eternity wrapped up in the words? And, and, you know, over the years, of course, that, that's begun to change. And, but something hit me as I was studying this passage. And I was also reading another book um, called Reading Scripture with the Church Fathers by Christopher Hall while I was doing it. And one thing stood out. Uh, for those of you that don't know, the Church Fathers are, are um, big names in uh, both the theological world and in churches in the three to four hundreds A.D., uh, right after the apostles, and I don't know if they looked at themselves as big names, but, but us looking at them, they definitely were, and one thing that stood out as I was studying them was just how important the Psalms were, that they exhorted their churches to, to keep the Psalms on their hearts day after day, week after week, as they walked down the street, as they went to work, whatever they did. I think that's because in the Psalms that we can see a grand eternal perspective. And this is one of those Psalms that exemplifies that. David here is, is praying for eternal protection, eternal peace, eternal provision. So let's, let's read the text and jump in to the choir master with stringed instruments of David hear my cry O God listen to my prayer from the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint lead me to the rock that is higher than I for you have been my refuge a strong tower against the enemy let me dwell in your tent forever let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings Selah for you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day by day. 
We see here in the superscript, we, we see that the first thing that is mentioned is that this psalm is to the choir master with stringed instruments of David. There, there's not a whole lot uh, of context here that we can go back and, and grab onto. Uh, really, all that is, is said is that it's, it's to the choir master, it's to be played on stringed instruments, and, and that it's written by David. So, so how do we study a psalm like this? How do we dive into it? How do we get what David is saying? And I think it's all about the perspective of the psalm itself and the words that he, he uses throughout. Yeah, perspective is important, right? So I, I, for those of you that don't know, I'm a big NASCAR fan. And so I, I try to watch um, all the races every weekend. And, and one thing that stood out to me is that, uh, as I was watching last night, actually, um, is that when a driver goes out there and leads 167 laps out of 200, 200 when it's the driver I like, I'm really, really happy. That's a great race, right? That's awesome. But when it's somebody else, the next day I'm like, oh, that was terrible. That, that, was, that was just horrible. And it was so boring. I don't want to watch it again. And so, and so as Stephanie woke up this morning and said, how was your race? I said, oh, it was great. Because who I wanted to win won, right? Perspective makes all the difference in the world. How we look at something makes all the difference in the world. And as we walk through this psalm verse by verse, I want you to see and look at the eternal language that David is using. All throughout this passage, he's talking about the words forever, enduring to all generations. Even when he cries from the ends of the earth. All of that is language uh, of eternity. He, he wants us to have an eternal perspective when we look and read this psalm. So, so let's jump in and let's figure that out. Um, verse 1. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. David cries out to God. And the important thing here that we, we need to recognize and, and we need to look for it is that what does David mean? when he's asking God to listen, right? A lot of times when we are talking to someone uh, about our, our problems, our issues, whatever's going on in our lives, a lot of times what we expect is just somebody to listen, right? We, we, just, we don't really expect anybody to do anything, do we? Uh, we? We just expect people to listen, and, and that's okay, that's good enough, and if somebody decides to help us, then that's great too. But what David's doing here, when he's asking God to listen is that he expects God will listen and, and then act, right? We, we know that because he refers in, in verse 5, he's talking about making his vows before God, and vows are promises made on the contingency that, that God is going to act, that God is going to do something. Now, it's important that we keep this in perspective too, right? Because it's easy to take this verse and run with it and say, man, if I pray to God for X, Y, and Z, he's going to give me whatever I want, right? He's going to give me whatever I want. I'm going to go home and start praying now so I can have that new car and that new house and everything that I want and desire. 
right? That's what, that's what our instinct is to do. Our instinct is to run to that. But as we see in this psalm, especially as we get down to verse 6 and 7, we're going to realize here that David, he's praying for things that God's already promised him. Things that, that are already set in motion. Things that are going to happen already. And so I want you to keep that in perspective as we walk through this psalm. And, and verse 2 says, from the end of the earth I call to you. When my heart is faint, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against my enemy. Verse 3. So, so he's calling out from the end of the earth, he says. And we don't know exactly what's going on with David, but, but it's clear that either he, he's very physically Far from home, that's probably very true, but I think also uh, emotionally it seems that he feels like he is far away from God. He, he's literally at the end of the earth. He, nobody can find him. Nobody can help him. Nobody can save him. That's what, that's what he, he feels like. And, and David's uh, a pretty strong guy. He's not only a strong guy, but he, he's got a lot of power. Uh, he knows a lot of people. He's the king, right? But David here realizes that even he, in all his might, in all his strength, in all his ability, he has to cry out to God when his heart is faint. Because ultimately, he needs his creator to, to take action in his life. He needs his creator to be that strong refuge, that strong tower against the enemy, or he'll be defeated, right? He is asking for God to lead him to the high ground. I know that in today's world of, of guns and planes and computers that can target people, when we're talking about a battle, the high, a high rocky outcropping doesn't mean a whole lot, right? doesn't mean a whole lot because there's ways for people to get to you. But in David's day and in David's time of hand-to-hand -hand combat, the high ground means a lot. When, when you're talking about a, a sword fight or a fight with a spear, the high ground means everything. The high ground means that you have a distinct advantage over your enemy. A distinct advantage over your enemy. And so when you're on the high ground, it, it really doesn't matter if the guy um, on the low ground is technically a little bit stronger than you, a little bit more powerful than you, because you have the high ground. You have the advantage. Whenever I think of this and I'm a nerd, so that's okay. But whenever I think of this, I, I think of Star Wars, and I, I think of I think of Episode Three, where Anakin, who will soon become Darth Vader, is is fighting with Obi Wan. My wife is staring daggers at me right now. <laughs> but I, I think of that right, and and this is a big battle between good and evil, and. Obi-Wan has the high ground, and Anakin ha has the low ground, and he's about to jump towards Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, don't do it. Don't do it, right? Just give up. I have the high ground. And technically, Anakin, who will become Darth Vader, is, is stronger than, than Obi-Wan is, right? Technically, he's, he's more powerful, but, 
But Obi-Wan's like, look, don't do it. I, I have the high ground. You're going to lose. If you jump, you're going to lose. What David's asking for here is for the God of the universe to lead him to the high ground. That the God of, of the universe, the creator of everything, the one that is more powerful than any enemy that could be imagined, would be the one to lead him up to this high ground. He's looking for this eternal provision, this eternal shelter, this eternal protection. We see that in verse 4 as he says, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. It's very, very intimate language here that he wants God to, to take him to his house. Let me dwell in your tent. Let me be at your tabernacle. Let me be in your presence where your presence is. I want to stay in your presence forever. I want you to shelter me as a mother hen shelters her chicks. And then as he says this, as he cries out to God for this, that's where we rest. That's where we take our interlude in the song. It's where we reflect on what has just been said, on what God, what David wants God to do for him. Safety is important, right? Safety is extremely important. We, we don't thrive unless we feel safe. That's just... Uh, a reality that's a, a truth right where where do you guys feel safe where do you guys feel comfortable i'm a i'm a big homebody i'm uh, a little bit and I, I like being home and and my wife gets on me about that too and that's okay along with my nascar but you know i i like uh, i like being home it, it's safe it's comfortable right it's it's where where I find some safety. I'm sure a lot of you guys are like that too. You all have something that makes you feel safe. What David is crying out to God for is safety beyond the present moment, beyond whatever problem or issue that he is in. He wants to dwell with God forever. He wants to be eternally protected. And ultimately, that's what we all need. More than anything else, more than safety of the moment, more than food on our table tonight, more than any singular need that we have, we need eternal protection. The Bible tells us that, that we are completely, utterly lost without God's work in our lives. That without God working in our lives, we would die and, and go to hell and we'd be, we'd be lost for eternity. No peace, no paradise, no fulfillment of this life. David knows that and that's why he cries out to God for this eternal protection. How does that eternal protection come, though? Let's move on, verse 5. He says, For you, O God, have, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. So he, he's telling God, God, you have heard 
the vows that I made to you. These promises contingent on God acting, and you have given to me the heritage of those who fear your name. He realizes and he recognizes that this eternal provision as a child of God has been given to him. It's been given to him. God has graciously granted him salvation. He's graciously granted to him a heritage, a hope, a future. And it's... It is talking partially about David being king, yes. It's talking about him ruling over Israel, but, but it also has a, a more expanded meaning in that through, through David's uh, heritage, through his kingly line, one is going to come that's going to fulfill verses 6 and 7. That's going to be enthroned before God for all eternity. David's thankful for that. He's, he's praising God for this heritage because this heritage that would ultimately come in, in Christ through the Davidic covenant is something that David desperately needs. Something that he desperately needs. And so he cries out, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations Verse 6, may he be enthroned forever before God, appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So as David's, David's saying this, he's no doubt talking about himself and his own life. He, he wants his life to be prolonged. He, he wants his, his lineage to endure forever. He wants this steadfast love and, and faithfulness to watch over him. And that's something that, that we should all desire for ourselves as well. But David also knows that, that there's going to come a day when he, like all of us, is going to die. And so he also cries out in verse 6 that his years endure forever. David's not, not foolish. He, he's, not, he, he's not stupid. He he doesn't think that he's going to live forever, but he remembers God's covenant to him. I want to read just one verse in 2 Samuel 7. 2 Samuel 7, 16. This is part of the Davidic covenant. God says to David, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So here in 2020, we can look at that one of two ways. Either God lied and, and that didn't actually happen, or someone did come that's king forever, right? Someone did come that, that would be enthroned forever, whose years would never fail. David's looking for the one that's coming. He's looking for this child of his that, that would one day come out of his lineage. And, and that person, the Bible tells us, is Jesus Christ, who, who would come, who would give his life sacrificially. So that those that are chosen in God, 
to live forever with him for eternity. Praise God for that. Apart from that, David knows that he has no hope. He has no future. He has nothing. He's utterly lost without the God of the universe acting, and the God of the universe did act in Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? What do we do with, with this looking at how David prays? Uh, David here prays very eternally. He's not only praying for, for him to get out of the situation he's in when his heart is faint and he feels lost. He, he's praying for himself to be protected both in that moment and in all of eternity. The important thing here is that when David is making these vows, when he's praying to God, he is praying what God's already promised. I, I don't think many of us approach prayer that way. I, I know that, that I don't often approach prayer that way. I have stuff that's going on, and I pray for it. And I, I pray that those things be taken care of. And then whether it happens or not, it's okay. But I pray for it. Do, do, I, do I pray eternally? Do, do I go out with this eternal perspective that whether in, in life or in death, no matter what happens, Jesus has taken care of me already. That no matter what happens today or tomorrow or the next day, Jesus has paid the price for my sins and therefore I get to be eternally protected, eternally taken care of. I get to live with that eternal mindset. I know that I want to pray like this more. I do sometimes, but, but not as much as I would like. I, I think that there's an important application in that, that we pray God's word more, that we keep it close to our hearts more. God's going to do what he said he was going to do. And David knows that. And so he cries out to God, hey, God, remember what you said. This is what you promised you were going to do. And God's going to do that. He trusts in God's word above everything else, right? Our word's important. One thing that, that stands out to me in, in working uh, as a hospice chaplain part-time is that at the end of somebody's life, one thing that really stands out to people when they talk about that person is if that person was a person of their word, a person that kept their promises. It's an important thing, and it, 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 it's something that sets deep in our hearts. David knows that God is a God of his word. That God is going to keep his promises forever. So ultimately then, what is the application? What does David do? He turns in verse 8 saying, So I will ever sing praises to your name as I perform my vows day after day. Lord, you've said you're going to do this. You're going to take care of me. 
for eternity. So what am I going to do? I'm going to continually praise you. I'm going to continually bow down before you in worship of you every single day because I know what you've already done for me. It, it doesn't really, really matter if I, I get that new car or that new house or all the things that I necessarily want or need because you've taken care of me forever. God is his refuge, is his strong tower. And it's under God's leading that David is living his life. And so I think we need to sing praises to God day after day because we are under his care, his leading, his protection. But I know that there is the strong chance that some of you have never really trusted Jesus yet. Right? You, you haven't, you haven't heard, you've heard the gospel maybe, but you haven't ever acted upon it. You haven't ever set your life down at the feet of Jesus and said, Lord, you have to be in control of my life. Right? You have to be in control of my life. I know that there may be some of you that haven't done that. Take this note from David here. David had it. It was a pretty put-together guy for the most part. He had his bad times. For the most part, he was a pretty put-together guy. Even David knows that he needs God to be in control of his life, that he needs God to be his refuge, his strength that only God can preserve him forever, or else he's going to fall to the hands of the enemy. Else he is going to fall and die and turn to dust and never be resurrected to life because he will not have trusted in the one true God. So don't find yourself one day in eternity resurrected unto death and an eternal death because you never looked at this life from the perspective of eternity. You never looked at this life from the perspective of, of what would happen after. Be raised to life in Jesus be raised to life in Christ. Because he's the only one that can fulfill. He's the only one that can take care of you to keep you both now and in the future. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do praise you. We do thank you, Lord, for your continued care your concern, your love for us. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, how wonderful it is that we can sit down and we can walk through it. Lord, that we can understand how much you love and care for us. And, and Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would, you would impress upon our hearts 
our need to lean into you in every single thing that we do. Father, I pray for those that have have heard the word and and have not trusted in you. I pray, Lord, that that if their spirits are convicted, Father, that they turn to you in in repentance and faith today. Father, I pray for every believer in this room as as we walk through these these next few weeks and hard days and um, tough times where we have to do things we we don't want to do like wear a mask. Father, that you would continue to give each person here an eternal perspective, your word, to know that, that because they have trusted you, that they are eternally taken care of. And Lord, what a wonderful, beautiful, amazing thing that is. Father, we praise your glorious name. Name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stay in response.